didn't see you there. Would you guys like to set sail on this ocean of flavor with me? I'll be your captain. I'm Steve Harrington. And I'm Colin. And I'm Whitney. And this is Scoops Ahoy, a Stranger Things podcast, where we, week by week, chapter by chapter, go through the entire Netflix series. So if you caught our first episode last week, we talked about season one, episode one. We do a little recap, and then we dive into some trivia, some moments that Colin experienced, because he is the same age as the boys, as he would have been in that year. And we talk a little bit about music, and we have a mild, we have some mild spoilers, so nothing too crazy. And we end up with some little superlatives that we have chosen to go along for each episode. So last week, season one, episode one. This week, episode two with... The Weirdo on Maple Street. The Weirdo on Maple Street, like all eight episodes or chapters of season one, debuted on Netflix on July 16th, 2016. It was written and directed by the Duffer Brothers and has a runtime of 55 minutes and 42 seconds. We open late on the night of Monday, November 7th, shortly after the kids tripped on Eleven in the woods. They have brought her to Mike's basement and are trying to figure out what to do with her. Mike wants to have her pretend to show up on his doorstep in the morning and let his mom take care of it. Dustin's just worried that she tried to strip in front of them, and Lucas wants nothing to do with any of it. The next morning, Tuesday, November 8th, Mike is ready to put his plan in motion, but Eleven refuses, saying bad people are after her. So he decides to skip school and hang out with her instead. Elle recognizes Will in a picture taken at the recent science fair and then has a flashback to being tossed into a closet at the lab because Mike tosses her in the closet when his mom comes home unexpectedly. Joyce, meanwhile, is telling Hopper about the weird phone call she got the night before and then goes to her work, Melvold's, to get a two weeks advance on her paycheck plus a new phone. Meanwhile, Jonathan has a nice little moment with Nancy while hanging missing posters in the school and then drives to the city to see if his estranged dad, Lonnie, and his charming girlfriend, Cynthia, are hiding well. But since it doesn't look like either of them know how to spell the word hide, much less actually hide anyone, it's a wasted trip. Brenner and his science guys find alien space yuck in Will's shed, and Hopper finds his buddy Benny dead in the diner. Back in Mike's room, school is out. Dustin and Lucas come by, leading Elle to demonstrate her superpowers by slamming the door in Lucas's face to prevent him from blabbing to Mama Wheeler. A nosebleed ensues. That night, Elle uses the D&D game board to explain that Will is alive and is hiding from the Demogorgon. During another search in the woods, Mr. Clark finds a piece of fabric torn from Elle's hospital gown at the mouth of a sewer pipe, and Hopper follows that pipe back to the lab because, well, everything leads back to the lab. Just when Joyce finally gets some alone time with her pretty new beige phone, she gets another call, another electric shock, and another broken phone. Then the lights flicker, and the clash starts playing on Will's boombox, and something tries to break through the now elastic wall in his bedroom. We end the night at Douchebag Steve's house because his parents are away, Tommy and Carol are over, and the beer is flowing. Barb and Nancy arrive. Barb is third-wheeling hard and proceeds to slice her hand open while attempting to shotgun a brewski. As Nancy and Steve are getting freaky upstairs, Barb mopes by the pool, bleeds a little, and gets eaten by the Demogorgon. End of chapter two. It was quite an episode. It was. It seemed more more full than the... I don't know how they did it, but they squeezed more action and information into episode two or chapter two. Yeah, I think I I think last time I I think I counted and it was like 26 or 27 scenes in the first chapter. And this was like 35 or 36. Oh, my gosh. Different scenes. I'm like, oh, my Lord. But it never feels rushed, though. 
No. And they're, and they're kind of bouncing all over the place, oh. but it's, you know, again, like we said last week, all the, you know, all the storylines are things that you really want to follow. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you're kind of invested in everybody's story, starting with obviously um, Mike and, and the other boys and, and trying to deal with Al. And of course, Lucas is calling her a weirdo and a psycho and a, you know, freak and everything else. And mm-hmm. um, Dustin's whole bit with like <laughs> when Mike was giving her clothes to change into and she's ready to like whip off her t-shirt. And so Dustin, like three times, it, he's like, she's trying to take her clothes off they're such pre-adolescent or adolescent boys i guess they're they're yeah have no idea what to do yeah Yeah. no idea what to do with a girl in in their presence and she is oblivious to all of it because she has been raised in a lab right exactly never been around other kids so so then we have the flashback when she you know gets thrown in the closet by mike and then reminds her of the being thrown in the closet at the lab and and that was you know i know last last episode or last chapter i talked a lot about like kind of the camera work and the cool editing and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff and there really wasn't a lot in this one it was just a very straightforward kind of linear um storytelling until for that one you know the one scene when her voice is kind of echoey and then you know some quick camera edits and, mm-hmm. and you know stuff like that um but yeah, that was a that was a freaky little scene when when she gets thrown in the closet because that's really the first time that we've seen her in the lab. Yeah, we. I wish I could remember how it felt the first time I watched it because I I remember loving it, but I wish I knew because it goes in ten different directions at once, and you don't know if it's a horror movie, is this or a horror show, is this you know, leaning more towards sci-fi? Is it a family show? Is it- yeah, Is it 80s towards... nostalgia? Is it- yeah, Right. Yeah. It's got everything in it and none of it seems forced or, you know, pushed too heavy. It all flows really well. So I wish I could go back and get that feeling again of watching it yeah. for the first time. <laughs> or, or at least remember what I felt like when I did watch mm-hmm. it the eighth or yeah. ninth time. <laughs> right. I've seen it so many times now. I can't- Yeah. Remember. So I got a I got a question for you. When they're doing the search, the first search in the afternoon, and Hopper kind of rolls in, and the guys are talking and make some little comment about Joyce and Hopper and whether they have a history and you know whether mm-hmm. they you know screwed before or something. What's your take on that? How much of a history do you think Hopper and Joyce have? They definitely used to date or something. I think it was more of a high school thing. Yeah, because um, yeah, I think it, I mean it does come up later. Obviously, they they yeah. talk they talk about how you know they knew each other in high school, but I just didn't mm-hmm. know if you thought they actually dated or had a relationship oh, or were. I've always had that feeling. I've always had the feeling that Joyce was kind of the one that got away for Hopper. Yeah, I was I was kind of leaning that way too. I just didn't know what what your. That's what your I want was. to believe, regardless. <laughs> The, the schmuckiness you know, it has... of his deputies, notwithstanding. Yeah, kind of. Oh yeah, I love the deputies though. I love yeah. them. They really <laughs> make me laugh. But you know, they do throw in that one scene where he has a girl at his house, Sandra. Which... Yes. Yes, but she's not the librarian, right? No. Okay. No, this is at the one only... point. It's, I don't think it's a spoiler. It's the only time we see her in the show. I mean, yeah, and it, only... but there's one point where they go to the library and the librarian isn't very nice to Hopper because he didn't call her back. Right. So it was like implied that he's kind of just out there, you know, sleeping around with whoever. He's only been in town for four years or been back in town for four years. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
didn't after, take him long after being in the big city. Yeah. Right. They do point that out. Cause one of the deputies says you must feel like a big city cop again. Yeah. So they're you standing know, over, standing over kid. Benny's body. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Like pretty uncouth. Poor Benny. I know. Made it, made it look like a suicide. And, that's, and they were good at it. Yeah. <laughs> he really did look like he killed himself. Really did. Yeah. I mean, they made his hand angled correctly and everything. Yeah. There's no end to what the government can do poor, in this show. Poor Benny. So it, how about the, uh, the wheelers when uh, the wheelers TV being 22 inches. And he was so proud of it. He was so proud of it. It's twice as big as Dustin's. <laughs> Which I don't, I remember having smaller TVs and maybe they weren't 22 inches, but you get to see all of the eighties decorations and everything as he's going through the house you see so many of the 80s toys where i can remember my brother having and playing with you know he's six years older than me so i can remember him playing with that stuff and it just brings back all sorts of memories yeah there's a couple of atari cartridges on top of the tv i noticed mm-hmm. yeah um oh and then the 80s continues at, at jonathan's bedroom in that great flashback scene with uh, when he's driving to lonnie Mm-hmm. Um, and should I stay or should I go is playing on the radio or playing on his tape deck in the car, whatever it's playing in the car. And so he flashes back to when he was with Will um, in his room, edu- you know, educating him about music um, at that time. And then we assume it was probably an 82-ish or something if we're in 83 now. So maybe 82, 80, you know, early 83. Um, he's talking about Joy Division and television and Bowie and the Smiths. And he's yes. got the, the Evil Dead poster on the, in the, on the wall. And he's talking about going to the arcade. And he's got the, the cassette suitcase, the little the little cassette briefcase oh, on his yes. bed. Yeah. yeah. I had like, I, God, I had like three of those jam-packed with cassettes. When did eight tracks come out? Or when did cassettes come out? I don't know. My first stereo did have an eight track in it, but I didn't use it that much. I think like kind of with the seventies, the eight track died. Cause I don't remember eight tracks at all. Like I know them if I see them in, in shows or movies or whatever, but I never remember. I I had a couple, my dad, a bunch, had a bunch of eight tracks and I had a couple eight tracks, but I think early eighties, if not Right in 1980, I think they were dead. But yeah, my first stereo had a, actually eight eight track player oh. in it. I, I didn't really use it, but because I was, I was all cassettes at that point. Was there um, a limited amount of songs on an eight track, or was it the same as you could have the same amount as on a cassette or a CD? It was an album. I mean, it was uh, okay. It was the full album. So, and if it was like a double album, it'd be like two eight tracks. But you know, you'd fit a full album on an eight track. Okay. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, because they were very big and bulky. And you, yes, like they were like blocks almost, right? You yeah, just... they were like, uh, yeah, like they're cartridges. I mean, they're like mm-hmm. a like a, a bigger, a little bigger than an Atari cartridge, but same general idea. Yeah, you know, but it had tape in it. It wasn't like a like a chip thing, like mm-hmm. an Atari cartridge. But yeah, right. Yeah, that's funny. But yeah, I think there there was some really great eighty stuff, and that that whole scene too was also really good. I think with Jonathan and and Will kind of showing their bonding, and you know, and this is not just a, the obligatory older brother moment. I mean, he was he was legitimately kind of taking him under his wing, and you know, this is some great music, and mm-hmm. you know, you can you can keep this one, and you know, I thought I thought that was a really that was a really nice scene. Well, they start to already allude to Will being different. He's kind of the outcast. He doesn't really like sports. He doesn't, you know, he's the weirdo, you know, and I know that in the title, they're not. He's not the weirdo, but yeah. No, but (laughs) in his, 
in that group. And, you know, even, even Joyce says it in the first episode. So it's sweet to see Jonathan try to make him understand that it's okay to be different. It's okay to like different stuff. It just matters as long as you like it. It doesn't matter who else does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then we get more eighties toys with Mike in his room. He's got the Yoda he's showing 11 mm-hmm. and he's got this little Rory, Rory dinosaur thing. Yes. Um, that he's playing with. And we'll, we can talk more about that in the trivia section. Cause that's a very obvious, you know, movie reference. Right. Um, but I had to laugh at the picture of them at the science fair and behind them, it has the name of their science experiment that they obviously won the science fair and it's the volcano eruption. It's like yeah. the, the oldest science fair project in the world. It's the, the baking think, soda and the vinegar. Yeah. And you make, I mean, everybody who has not done this. But everybody, but probably in 1983, it was legendary. <laughs> I've never seen this so before. Like, oh my God. It's like the only science fair thing that anyone ever does is make the volcano. Yeah. Of vinegar. I, I, I have not it. ever done that, but I, everybody else, somebody else did at every yeah. science fair I had to enter. So, yeah. So what about 11 knowing Will from the picture? Well, that's what I'm talking about where you just have no idea where it's going because how would she know 11? The first thing your mind goes to is that Will has been kidnapped by the government somehow and maybe they're using this demogorgon to do their dirty work you have no but then you're wondering why is will so special why does is he wanted in this lab or whatever yeah, and then maybe it, it. it wasn't an accident that the demogorgon was waiting in the middle of the road for him it was on purpose yes. or something or, yeah. and then but then you see them a little bit later on they're tapping the phones and they're listening to the phone call with joyce you really had no idea how Elle knew him. And it just made me want to watch more immediately. (laughs) And then we get the flashback with her and she's calling Brenner Papa and being, you know, traipsed down the hallway by two orderlies and thrown in a closet and locked in there. And she's upset to the point of, yeah. It's like a little like, (laughs) yeah. I don't know. Because no, that's better than dad. I guess. Dad, dad. Maybe he did that so that he didn't Daddy? get connected Daddy. to her. But yeah. Papa, it reminds me of, is it Fiddler on the Roof? Yeah. Where they sing the yeah. song Papa. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was kind of funny. I started to pay attention to a little bit more of the characters. I feel like we got to know some of the characters a little bit more. Some of the side characters. Mm-hmm. So we see Barb. And I like to refer to her as Buzzkill Barb because. (laughs) Not long for this world, Barb. No, not long for this world, frumpy Barb. But why did she know that Nancy had a new bra? Well, not not being female. And (laughs) I I can guess that they're pretty up on. I don't know what color. I never knew what kind of bras my friends had. I don't know. I I just took it as that they kind of. Well, they obviously don't share clothes. Uh, I mean, they're they're not at all, you know, the same no. size and interchangeable clothes wise. But I assume that you know they just it just made me laugh. Someone yeah, else they, asked that question to me, or, and I, I had no idea why. Maybe they go bra shopping with each other or something. I I don't know. Maybe, but <laughs> and I did wonder as an adult now who has a party on a random Tuesday, and it wasn't even a party. 
No. It was an intimate No, guy. it was just because his dad was away at his conference and the mom went too because she doesn't trust him. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the house is empty and douchebag Steve is such a douchebag that, of course, he's going to have Carol and Tommy. Tommy come over. What? Once again, in the first episode, I think we talked about how I'm confused why anybody is watering their lawn November 6th in Indiana. But in this episode, you've got Barb wearing a puffer coat. Then you have everybody outside. There's steam coming up off the pool. And then they all just jump in and they go swimming. And don't act very cold when they get out afterwards. What temperature is it? (laughs) Well, in Atlanta, Georgia. (laughs) Right. Where they're filming it. Where they're filming it in in, August. (laughs) In Hawkins, Indiana. Yeah. It would be freezing outside. Yeah. Those are just some of the things that caught my eye. But anyways, we get to see more. So this Tommy is the problem Carol. when you watch things 10 or 12 times, because now you start, you start nitpicking and you start like really digging into it. And like, well, I've never noticed. what is that? I've never I, noticed that before. Because of lights, camera, no, it's how I look at every single thing that I watch. I right. look at it through that lens, trying to find all the stuff that's confusing. But yeah. this, we get to see a little bit more of Barb and she's, desperately trying to keep Nancy from going to this get together at Steve's house. And Nancy's begging her to come along, which is, she wants her, I guess is just support to be. Yeah. There. I was never really sure why she wanted her there. I mean, why wouldn't, I, and, unless it was well, you know, in case something goes wrong or in case Steve is even more of a douchebag than we all know right. he is already. And I wondered if by this, or she felt bad i mean she could have you know um barb's gonna be home alone miserable on a tuesday night watching the a-team well barb was very (laughs) upset that nancy was getting accepted into this more popular group which was understandable she's gonna be left out but i also wondered surely this couldn't be the case though that they had this leftover personality from the original script because remember we talked about in the original steve was way worse he was just downright rapey right and i didn't know if they didn't this was originally paired with that steve and they just didn't bother to change this part of the story where she begs because it's key with barb getting eaten by the demogorgon right i mean i mean she has to i mean plot wise she has to be there obviously yeah so i just didn't know if that if that was the reasoning they used because she also has to she also has to try to shotgun a beer which she would never in a million years a do b know how to do even if she just watched somebody do it i mean there's no funnels kids yeah Yeah. (laughs) why are we doing this the hard way (laughs) right yeah so i mean yeah i mean those are the little things that we can you can kind of nitpick on but you but know, she that, that whole thing. I I also don't get why she didn't just leave and instead moped on the diving board. Outside in the cold, but yeah. dipping her feet in the pool. Right. Because <laughs> it's her car. Right. It's her car. And Nancy was clearly telling her, I'm fine. It's okay. Yeah. Go. Nancy's like, I'm, I'll get a ride. So don't worry about yes. it. So, okay. I'll just go sit on a diving board and get eaten. Right. And why was Jonathan just creeping in the woods at this moment? I know that he was out there trying to investigate his, you know, missing brother, but why that does, does Steve's house back up kind of close yeah. to their house? Yeah. I th- well, I, I think everybody's house backs up to everybody else's house. Okay. <laughs> um, was, how long yeah, had he been I mean, there? Cause he ran, he ran through the woods after taking the pictures from where Will disappeared mm-hmm. um, of nothing in particular other than sticks and leaves. 
um, and heard the scream and went, you know, running and he was still in the woods. So it's not like he, you know, went across a road and through a backyard and across right. the street and everything. So, um, yeah, I mean, so I he, mean, was, he was in the woods anyway. And I think that was really interesting too, because you could look at that and go, oh, Jonathan's creepy and he's voyeuristic and oh, this is, he's just kind of skeevy and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was fine until he was zooming in on the windows of yeah. Nancy. Yeah. I mean, it was a little creepy. Yeah. Like, but they were all out there, like jumping around, having fun. And then when he uses his super zoom lens to yeah. zoom in on Nancy changing, that that does seem kind of creepy. Right. No, I agree. I mean, I'm glad he did it because obviously he's the one that catches Barb's disappearance. Right. But yeah. So we get to see a little bit more of how much of huge jerks Tommy and Carol are. And every episode, which, I say. Which would, which would be difficult because I can't imagine them being. No. Every yeah. episode, I say, why don't they get eaten by the Demogorgon? Right. <laughs> why can't Tommy and Carol get eaten? They yeah. deserve it. So far, Will gets eaten and Barb gets eaten. So little, little lonely Will. Right. Just it's wanted like, friends and, and and little lonely Barb. So you just have to like, be like a miserable loner person with no friends Demogorgon's in the world. The Demogorgon's a bully. <laughs> the Demogorgon's a bully. That's what it's all coming down to. Pick it, picking but, on the picking on the loser kids yeah. and steve even had more of a douchebag air to him when he like swings open his door yeah. and hello, he's hey ladies. hello ladies <laughs> i can't help but i love him though yeah oh and him. then we then we get to see his room uh mm-hmm. which is like the anti-nancy room so last week my 80s superlative was nancy's room mm-hmm. and it could just as easily be <laughs> his room this week but for completely different things because he's got right the, the corvette on the wall he's got the the chicken the bikini on mm-hmm. the wall and the and the funky wallpaper and everything's all clean right. and kind of 80s chic modern kind of yeah. looking and stuff and because yeah. it's implied that steve's family has a lot of money right did you always uh, kind of think of it that way yeah he's got a nice car obviously mm-hmm. and you know i mean the house i think seems seems you know right just co- nice. i guess comparatively yeah. to compared to like the buyer's house yeah right but the wheelers yeah. i guess are on the same level yeah anyways not but, that it's important i was just yeah. curious but interesting little moment though i don't know if you catch you know, this is one of these things where you catch like the eighth or ninth time you watch it so that when when nancy's standing there in her bra and the and then then there's the woman in the bikini on the wall behind her it's like mirror image i mean oh the, it's like a duplicated shot because she's standing there in a bra and the woman on the wall behind her almost perfectly framed just oh. off the left is a woman in a white bikini. So they look like kind of the same. Oh, I did not catch image. that. I don't even know if it was intentional or not. Yeah. I, I, it's one of those things. I don't think it was, but may have been like a happy accident just cause you know, kind of cinematographically, right. but yeah, it was kind of a, kind of a neat little, neat little no, thing I'm, noticed. I tell you, I'm the watcher who I'm the, audience that is so absorbed into the story and the characters i have really hard time paying attention to what's going on in the background i'm like i think i'm the other way i'm like ooh, what's in there oh there's a toy yeah. cartridges oh there's a poster on the wall oh there's a uh, ooh, the, oh no cinematography is awesome here this is great yeah yeah so we should we should talk a little bit about uh joyce's uh you know adventures and lights and sounds and and crazy walls and stuff can i just say Joyce is the most stressful character. I I love yeah. her. Yeah. Well, that's what I said last week when she, she, I gave her the MVP. I'm like, she I, is the most neurotic. And every scene gives me so much angst. It's, but it's almost. Just, she's great. 
she's yeah. really good at it, but it is almost like somebody give the lady a Xanax or something. Yeah. Just <laughs> let her calm down. She's yeah. going to have a heart attack or a stroke. Because I mean, good she, Lord, Hopper's there sucking down two and all. So, I mean, he, you know. Well, he's, <laughs> just, and they're both, and smoking, I mean, they're just and drinking, smoking yeah. and yeah, yeah. her hands are shaking. Her clothes are terrible. Yeah. And she looks like she hasn't showered, yeah. which I get. I mean, that is very, probably very accurate as to how a mother would react if her son was missing. Sure. It, it is. But I just got to say, it gives me a lot of anxiety as soon uh, as she steps on the screen. I love the bit where she plugs in the new phone and she sits in the chair and the cord doesn't reach and she hikes, she says, hike, <laughs> hike, hike. <laughs> she scoots that chair over. <laughs> it's just so funny. I mean, just like <gasps> sticks her feet out. and. Woof, woof. Oh, yeah. Which is great. Yeah. But yeah, so she's sitting there. She gets another phone call. This time you can hear Will say mom through the phone. Mm-hmm. Thing blows up again. And then the lights start flickering. And it's very creepy the way his voice is. Yeah. It's very. Distorted. Chilling. And kinda, yes. Yeah. And kind of weird sounding. And then. Yeah. yeah. And then the lights flicker and then she goes in and she sees the um, the stereo, uh, mm-hmm. the boom box. I guess it was the boom box this time. Playing um, that song. Playing the should I say or should I go? Um and then the wall gets all crazy. Oh my and, gosh. Yeah. That made my heart drop or my stomach drop, however you want to say it. When you, you're just not expecting it. I no. mean, you know that the Demogorgon is there, but you don't expect him to try to force his way and make his own portal. I just, from. Yeah, that's what, because I mean, I didn't even, I don't think I even, well, the first time I saw it, thought the Demogorgon was there. I thought, you know, maybe, well, weird things are going on. Who knows what it means? I have mm-hmm. no clue. Let's just watch and see what happens. But then I think I, th- I think I thought that, you know, maybe it was Will kind of communicating because he's kind of communicating with the phone and that maybe somehow he was yes. flickering the lights or maybe he was trying to come through the wall and get back, you know, from wherever he is or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just, yeah, but that was so out of nowhere in a show that it's, already has a bunch of stuff like coming out it's of It's straight horror though. Yeah. That. Oh, absolutely. Art is yeah. like, holy crap. Well, it's like when they found, um, when Brenner and his team found the the alien space yuck in the shed kind of dripping off the shed. This, I mean, yeah. I have seen this show so many times. I have watched it start to finish numerous times. I am a comfort watcher. So if I've had a bad day or I'm anxious about something, I like to watch stuff that I've already seen because then it reduces my anxiety for whatever reason. And I have never until this episode, till this time, this viewing, watched and noticed that there was the goop on the shed wall and i don't know how i've missed it before well so that's what i was saying last week because i thought i think i missed something and i've watched it a gazillion times Mm -hmm. when hopper goes in the shed and he sees there's something in the corner and he's looking and there's nothing though yeah i've looked at it a hundred times and Mm -hmm. i don't yeah so but that i don't know what it is i i just i i understand that it's a parallel universe or whatever but I don't understand what the goop is and where it's yeah. coming from. Yeah. And then it all ends with hazy shade of winter. But if we're done, that'll take us into our, our segments. If you want to get going yeah. on those. Yeah. The, yeah, let's start with your, let's start with where Colin was. This was fun. And it's, it's going to, I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep doing this for 25 episodes, but um so yeah as we as we've established i was born in 71 so i was 12 and 83 which is exactly how old these kids were in 1983. um 
And so the the moment that I really kind of latched on to um, this time was, we already talked about it, when Jonathan and Will are, are sitting in the room and he's kind of taking them through all the music and everything like that, because music was so everything to me. Um, in the early 80s, um, I will I will fight anybody who tries to convince me that 1984 was not the best year for music in the history of all time. I can um, promise you he will, because we've yeah, had the yeah. Um But this is a little bit before 1984, but there's still good music in 1983. And I, I, and, I mean, the, just seeing the cassette suitcase that he had, the little cassette briefcase that he had on the floor, on his uh, bed there. It just really, I mean, it just took me right back to, you know, that was me in my room with my little cassette suitcase. And I had, I remember my members only jacket, the maroon members only jacket. And I had, <laughs> I had my painter's cap and my painter's cap had all the buttons of all the rock bands and, and singers and everything. I mean, I had Clash and Sticks and Triumph and Journey and Van Halen. And I mean, that was just, it was all you know, just music, music, music. And, and I, I think that the cassette suitcase is what really tripped it for me in this episode. Um, That's fun though. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's fun. I'm sure it's really fun to actually wash it through your eyes as and being able to say, oh yeah, I had that, I did this. Yeah, oh, I, I mean, there, there are pictures, I mean, there are pictures of me at a science fair that look very similar. But did you have the volcano experiment? I did not do the volcano. <laughs> My science fair experiment was, I was testing whether plants do better with light, only light, only water, or both. both. Or what the, what the difference is? I mean, obviously, it does better with both. But what what happens if you only give a plant light, or if you only give a plant water, or if you give them both? So I had the kind of the control experiment and all that kind of stuff. So that was my yeah. my little science. But I have pictures. I mean, from that time, and I was wearing those clothes, and my hair looked like that, and you know, and my shoes. Was it as bad as Will's? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, I did not have a bowl haircut. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, you know, that was, it was, it was, uh, very similar to that. So that's, that's the Colin moment for this week. Well, that is exciting. So since you just talked about your love for music, why don't we talk about the music in this episode? All right. So let's scratch the record. Four major songs, a bunch of background songs when Barb and, and Nancy are driving and that kind of stuff. There's some background music going on, but four major songs in this one. Obviously, Should I Stay or Should I Go by The Clash. Should I stay or should I go? Released in May of 82, reached only number 45 on the Billboard charts, which is surprising as popular a song as it is even today. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure when it was playing, you were singing along with it. You knew the song really well. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As opposed to Raise a Little Hell by Trooper. Right. Which is the song that that Steve opens the door and greets them with. So that's by Trooper. Um, It it actually came out in 1978 and reached number 59 on the Billboard chart. And then I Melt With You. Uh, by Modern English, which is the song that was playing at the pool, shindig, mm-hmm. pool party, whatever, came out in May of 1982. So, so far, we're good on the timelines and everything. Only reached, and get this, number 78. Really? Yeah. Now, it did reach number seven on the U.S. Billboard Mainstream Rock Chart. And I don't really know what the difference is. Between yeah. But that's a that was a very popular song. When that is I was, shocking. When I was 11 and 12. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was all over the place, but huh. 
And then last song. Hazy Shade of Winter by Bangles came out in November of 1987. So we're about, oh. about four years too early for that song. And uh, that's song I associate with less than zero. Less than zero. Absolutely. Because that's yes. what it was, it was recorded for. It was on that soundtrack. Reached number two on the Billboard charts for Bangles. So there you go. That's oh. our music. music I love that song. Oh, it's great. Song. I love it. I love even the remix now that is, or the I guess it's not a remix, but they redid it for yeah. Umbrella Academy with Gerard Way. And I there love it. I mean, they could have re-recorded Mary Had a Little Lamb for Umbrella Academy and you would have loved it. So Maybe, possibly, yeah. Yeah. but don't judge me. Okay, so we're going to try a new segment this week and we're going to call it... Where in the world is... Okay, so four, depending on how you count, three or four places were mentioned in this. So I'm going to give you a little quiz and you can tell me if these places are real. Okay. You're they, quizzing me. Okay. I will quiz you. If they are real places, if they are fake places, or if they are real, where they really are, if they okay. are in Indiana or if they are somewhere else. So the first one is um, Penhurst, which is referenced. I bet she escaped from Penhurst. From where? The Nuthouse in Curley County. So we'll do Penhurst. Pen, we'll do Penhurst first, and then we'll do Curly County. But so Penhurst, real, Penhurst. fake, and if it's real, where is it? It's real, but it's not in Indiana. It's a real, legit, insane asylum that was in Pennsylvania somewhere. Good call. Good, good call. That is correct. Asylum. It was. It was an actual uh, mental hospital in Pennsylvania. Isn't it? Is it a haunted house thing now? Do they do that? Is that why a lot of it? That? A lot of it's been demolished. I know that. Um, okay. but it was shut down in 1987. Um, okay. But yeah, so that is real. But that was it famous? Us... Was it very famous back in the day? I don't really know. I, don't, I had never heard of it. Um, okay. I, I looked it up and, and found out about it. But okay. Um, so but yeah, it was closed down in 1987. So, but that leads us to number two, which is Curly County. K-E-R-L-E-Y County. Real, fake? And if it is real, where is it? I am going with fake on this one. Good call. Good Good call. Absolutely fake, yes. Uh, but as we said last week, uh, Merkwood is at the intersection of Curly and another road, I can't remember off the top mm-hmm. of my head, but where the Duffer brothers grew up in Durham, North Carolina. Yes. Okay, Hopper at one point says when they were looking for Will, they went all the way to Cartersville. We've been searching all night. Went all the way to Cartersville. Cartersville, real, fake, or... If it is real, where is it? I'm not going to get this one right. I want to say it's real because in Kentucky, there's a Carter County. And if you are from Kentucky, then everybody identifies themselves by their county. They'll say, I'm from Justin County. I'm from Fayette County. Nobody does cities. It's a really weird thing. That's right. And I've never heard anybody else do that. So I'm going to... Cartersville. Cartersville. I'm going to say it's real. And I'm going to guess... That it's in Indiana somewhere. No, no, absolutely not. It is real. Good call. Good, good call. But oh. it is in it is in Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. Gotcha. Yes. So well, there were. Do I get like a half a point? You can absolutely get half a point. So they, okay. yeah, I think they were like driving to set one day and saw here's the exit probably. To yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay, last one. Hopper is talking to Earl, and Earl says he's really bummed out about Benny being died because they were fixing to go fishing down the Etowah next Sunday. Now we're fixing to go fishing down the Etowah next Sunday. I mean, he's looking forward to it. I know that. The Etowah River, is it real? Is it fake? And if it is real, where is it? I'm going to guess fake on this one. No, no. Absolutely not. It is real. Oh, okay. And again, right outside of Atlanta. It flows right right around the uh, right around the Atlanta suburbs. The oh, Atlanta River. Yes. Well, yeah. there you go. So I got one. No. You got one. And two. A half, I got two. Yeah. I got two for Pinhurst. Pinhurst, real, and you knew where it was. Absolutely. I said Curly was fake. There's another point. Cars. And then I got half. Long. I said it was real, but I did. Real. I got the place. You thought Indiana. So three, four points. Three. Yep. Yep. Very nice. Sweet. All right. I'm I'm not a geography nerd, so this is 100% me guessing. So you guys will know. <laughs> okay. Any uh, any trivia from this? I had some, and it wasn't a lot, but I caught all the ET references. I know they were heavy in the first episode, but they were also mm-hmm. heavy yep. in this episode. It was yep. very. Mike hiding 11 in the house was very reminiscent of E.T. and Elliot and faking being sick so mm -hmm. he could skip school. And then he actually shows E.T. his Star Wars toys. Yes. And I, I read an article where the Duffer brothers said they wanted the relationship to seem very similar with E.T. and Mike or (laughs) E.T. and Elliot equaling Mike and 11, even though she's not an alien, she's kind of alien to this world because she's been raised in a lab. And then I caught, I got two I'll mention, then I'll let you take the one from your favorite movie of all time. Oh, um, so, I know what it is. Um, Weirdo on Maple Street is obviously a takeoff of the Twilight Zone episode, The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street, which was season one, episode 22 of The Twilight Zone, came out in 1959. I, fun fact, in the 80s, 1989 actually, my fifth grade class reenacted the monsters are doing Maple Street as our class play. Oh, I do not. I don't know what Miss Hensley was going through that year. I feel like it was something. Because it's good we, though, and it's short. I mean, Twilight Zones were 20, 22 minutes long. Colin, minutes long, so we pulled out fake guns and killed people. Oh well, that's in the that play. Too. How old were you? We were in fifth grade. Okay, all right. I say high school. Maybe that would be good, but no. Yeah. And I remember I, we had fake cars and, you know, <laughs> we had, you know, my husband killed somebody in the play and then my husband okay. got killed. Okay. Crazy times. But I also, this made me think of this. I also heard that this might've been a reference to Stephen King's story. There's a short, something. Yeah, a short story. Yeah. Yes. What is it? The house on Maple Street? House on Maple Street. Yeah. 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 But I, I, I assumed that it was a throwback to one of those but and then the last one i had which i haven't seen mentioned anywhere but it seems so obvious to me at the time is when they found when mr clark found a little piece of cloth Mm -hmm. in the in the sewer drain and they had the shot from inside the sewer drain looking out and they're sitting there with the flashlights it just screamed shawshank redemption to me when the warden Mm. gets in and and he and they're flashing the flashlights and stuff it just i don't know just really screamed it to me obviously you know it doesn't fit with all the other you know stuff that the duffer brothers were kind of using as inspiration but just Mm -hmm. really okay and i will give you the last i'll give you the honors for the last trivia 
right before we see Barb's drop of blood drop into the pool, right before that, you see the poster of Jaws, which is Barb's personal Jaws is coming to eat her. Absolutely. In just a minute. Uh, so there was a little throwback to my favorite movie. Poor Barb. Poor Barb. I do have one. It's not really with the show, but it happens. It has to do with the actors. This is the episode that Millie Bobby Brown showed up covered in glitter. <laughs> I heard about and that. What's the what's the story behind that? She's just she was the Duffer brothers in the article that I read. We're talking about how they forget that they would forget that she was a child because she was such a good actress that, you know, they would kind of expect her to have all this, you know, professionalism and of course she did at some point but you know one day she was just playing and got into a bunch of glitter before she was supposed to come to the set so they had to take like it delayed filming by i think like at least an hour or more because they had to get the glitter off of her and the duffer brothers were like we don't have this problem with david harbour he's not showing up to the set covered in glitter that's awesome yeah <laughs> so it was just a cute little yeah. aside that kind of reminds you that they are that they're really good actors, but they're also just kids. Absolutely, yeah. And there was one other thing I did want to mention that I completely forgot about um, in our in our Bible that we both own, the Stranger Things World Straight Upside Down book. Mm-hmm. I was I was reading it, rereading it again, and the Duffer Brothers were talking about, or they were asked when they thought they had made it, when they thought that mm-hmm. um, you know the show was popular and that there was actually going to be a thing, and they said that was when they heard about. Um, and then saw a mural that somebody had painted in Melbourne, Australia of Barb. Um, And we'll, we'll post a picture. We'll post a picture on our Twitter feed of this mural. It's incredible. And so, I mean, it was just like really early on in the show. I mean, obviously when it came out, all eight episodes came out at once. Um, But yeah, somebody painted this gorgeous mural of Barb. Barb Um, for only being in two episodes had a hardcore fan following. Oh, absolutely. People were very obsessed with her character. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And she's great. I mean, but it's just, I, I, I almost wonder if the Duffer brothers wish she hadn't been killed off just because of how what, popular she became. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Evie, my daughter has a justice for Barb t-shirt. Yeah. I mean, I remember, it, yeah. Pins, you know, yeah. little buttons, people had buttons and keychains mm-hmm. and, and Funko Pop characters and all that kind of Which stuff. Just in but... two episodes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and really not that much of two episodes. No. no. I, I bet we could so, count. I bet she has yeah. less than 20 lines total. Yeah. yeah. And one of them is, is that a new bra? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Time for superlatives. Yep. Ooh. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. What do you want to do first? You, you want to do best line first? Yeah, let's do best line. So my best line was too long to put the whole thing in. But my favorite line in this episode is when Joyce goes into Melville's and she's getting the other phone and he rings it up. And it's like, that'll be 2246. And she's like, Donald, I've worked for you yeah. for this many years. I've mm-hmm. never called in sick. I've, yeah. I've worked holidays. Thanksgiving blah, blah, blah. and Christmas Eve. And blah, yes. Blah, blah. And she's like, I need an advance. And then a phone <laughs> he's like i need a phone and she's like i need an advance and she's like make it two and then he's like oh, okay and then she just slams a pack of cigarettes on there and goes and a pack of camels yeah that's a good one. i like that one so she just snuck that in there and i liked it yep. uh mine went to lucas at the beginning when they were talking about al and all the issues and how she's a freak and a psycho and you know mm-hmm. we'll just we'll we'll forget those 
term saver came up and uh he's like oh she, she said no and yes your three-year-old sister says more yeah. so that was, that was i almost honorable mention almost went to lucas with when they're walking up the stairs and he says wouldn't water at my house because yeah. he's staying yeah. the night at, at right, mike's right. so yeah. okay most spirited so this is the most 80s moment in each of our minds um so mine was if you couldn't guess because I've talked about it for this entire episode uh, in Will's room when Joyce was following the music um, and the boombox is playing. It's the Panasonic RX 5090 Silver Special for anybody from that time period that was like the god of boomboxes. And then you also can see the Memorex tape inside mm-hmm. the boombox. And what I remember, everybody was either Memorex or Maxell. You weren't both. It was like Coke and oh. Pepsi. Oh, I was I was all over Memorex. So I was, a, I was a Memorex guy. Uh, but yeah, so I love Will's Panasonic RX 5090 Silver Special Boombox. It was, oh yeah. That's so funny. I, I was digging around and I found an ad for it, like a magazine ad. And we'll post that, yeah. on, our, we'll post that on our Twitter feed too, because it's really fun to fun to see. Did but you yeah. see what the price was? No, yeah. it, just, oh, it just said I'm it's curious. Available, but you can get them now for like 120 bucks on eBay or something like that. So, oh gosh. Yeah. Uh, my most spirited actually went to Mike's toys because you got to see all of the stuff that he's playing with. You see the Yoda toy, you see the Dungeons and Dragons and, you know, they're the board, you know, she flips it over. And I just loved all of that because I, I, I promised you that my brother had some of those and I was an annoying little sister playing with them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Atari cartridges and all that kind of stuff. So, okay. Most strangest thing so the most head trippy what the heck is going on in this episode moment you what what was yours uh i don't know how it could be anything other than the demogorgon trying to come through that wall like it was plastic like it was rubber and i guess being in another dimension makes drywall you know real flexible because that was not expecting it at all and i remember being like holy shit what is happening yeah yeah that was that was a moment, as they yes. say. Yeah. Uh, so mine came down to two. I like that one too, but I was figuring you might go that way. So I was trying to come up with something different. Really? So I, I, I came up with well, I, the, the closet, the whole uh, L in the lab and getting thrown in the closet by the orderlies. Uh-huh. It was kind of freaky. Um, but I, I kind of gave it to, and it wasn't really a, you know, what the heck kind of moment. But when she had her first nosebleed, um, I thought, okay, there's, there's just something really weird. I mean, yes, she's closing the door because we, we saw her stop the fan in the first chapter. So we know that she has some kind of powers and then she kind of slammed the door, but then she got the nosebleed. She didn't get a nosebleed in the first chapter. So mm-hmm. now she's got the nosebleed and obviously, you know, this will play throughout the whole series um, and be very important, you know, in season three, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to give it to the nosebleed. I think that was a, that was just a really strange moment. It wasn't terrifying. It wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. but it was kind of in fitting with the creepiness of this show that was i actually had something else picked originally just so you know i originally went with the hazmats at will's house and the goo on the shed and then i started thinking and i was like no 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 it has to be the demogorgon because that actually scared me so okay so mvp so best actor (sighs) best character best performance however you want to do it I'm I'm stealing yours from last week and I'm going with Mike. I thought, oh, I thought he was the anchor of this show, this chapter. I thought he was the 
the kid he was holding everything together he took l around he was the mm-hmm. one sticking up for her with the other kids i think this was kind of his chapter to win or lose and, and he he won mm-hmm. i did not choose mike this week i actually went with hopper because i think this is the the episode that you really get an idea of hopper's tenderness towards the kids and everything in the first episode he's very gruff he's very wants to brush it off doesn't care it's fine he's out here somewhere he's you know playing a game or whatever but this episode he keeps joyce calm he's trying to you know explain to her you know like he said i went all the way to cartersville and i've been you know searching and then he's he's the one that picks up on benny's friend when he says he was supposed to go to the etowa river or whatever and Mm -hmm. he said you know there was a little kid there and hopper immediately starts at and he's you could tell like he is holding back Mm -hmm. with how much he wants to like jump on this guy and be like what else do you know you know without breaking him out but he holds back so that was who i went with and that was that was one thing i forgot to mention earlier too if you go back and you watch that scene when he first comes to joyce's house at the beginning of the chapter and he's just like super calm and it's like when we went out to cartersville and Mm -hmm. we're looking and i'm sorry i got held up and she's kind of starting to fly off the handle and he's like super calm and if you just listen to what he's saying he could have delivered those lines a a hundred different ways. i know he could have been pissed off he could have been ranting raving jumping up and down he could have been Mm -hmm. angry he could have been you know get out of my face or i'm doing what i can here but the way that he delivered it was just so perfect. He was just so calm and so stoic and like authoritative. And I just thought, uh, I agree. I mean, he, he had a great performance, but that, that one scene, I had that in my notes and I completely forgot to mention it, but I thought, I thought that was, that was great. That was where I so caught good, it. Good, good call by you. Yeah. So that's who I went with this week was my beloved Jim Hopper. Okay. So that ends our discussion of the weirdo on Maple street next week, chapter three, Holly Jolly. Holly jolly. It might be my favorite episode of season one. Maybe. Oh, we're going to have to do a ranking at some point here. We yeah. Do, I, do it, it, it's definitely, I think the most memorable, maybe because of, we'll talk about it, but right. I've got some things. I've got some talking points to go over next week i got some things colin i got some things (laughs) so we want to thank you guys for listening if you have any requests questions if you have a superlative you want to let us know you can always hit us up on the socials we are scoops ahoy pod on both twitter and facebook if you want to email us we are scoops ahoy pod at gmail.com so that's it for this week thank you guys for listening hope you tune in next time thanks guys bye bye Stranger Things audio clips and official score are the property of Netflix. Incidental music by Blue Mount Score from Pixabay.